The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Friday, April 29th, 2016 from Slate. It's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca, and today I bring you The Buzz, a man named Buzz. Certain great nicknames have just fallen away. There are no scooters. There are no butchies. There are no juniors. Sure, there's a junior after the name, or sometimes we say that, like, Ken Griffey Jr. is called Junior, but there was a time when your friends used to be Steve, Butch, and Junior. Yeah, there was Buzz, there was Scooter, and there was Junior. Now a guy named Scooter shows up, and everyone is all appalled. Scooter Libby, how could you be an aide to the vice president being named Scooter Libby? Because when you were born in 1950, there were a lot of Scooters. Such is the case with Edwin Eugene Aldrin Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin is also the target of one of the most erroneous quotes in American history. Nobody remembers the second man to walk on the moon. I have a bunch of entries of places and people saying this. In the uh, St. Petersburg Times, Veterans Committee to Vote on the Hall of Fame, nobody remembers the second man to walk on the moon, but the journey was just as long for him, said American League Vice President Phyllis Murhidge. Boston Globe, 1999, no one remembers the second man on the moon, vice presidential candidates who lose or the Boston Marathon runner-up. Here's the Boston Herald in 2000. We hitch our wagons to winners and firsts. Nobody remembers the second man to walk on the moon. That is totally incorrect. I told people I was talking to Buzz Aldrin. They said, oh, the second man to walk on the moon. But it's one of those quotes, I guess, like there in American life, there are no second acts or Thomas Wolfe said you can't go home again. They're useful because people bring them up just to rebut them. I think everyone remembers the second man to walk on the moon. Not because he was the second man, because of the phrase, walk on the moon. He walked on the moon. I know if I walked on the moon, I'd always be finding a way to work that into the conversation. Like, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Oh, where was I? Oh, yeah, the moon. I was on the moon. Or, you know what? I've never been to Portland, Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon. Okay, I've been to the one in Oregon. I've never been to Portland, Maine. But I have, in fact, seen it from the moon. My conversation with Buzz Aldrin was delightful, mostly for the fact that it was a conversation with Buzz Aldrin. I really got to feel his personality. You know, and a transcript might show some gaps in the conversation. Like there was, if you listen, there may be some proper name retrieval that is totally fine if you've walked on the moon. Also, we hear some clicking or clacking. You know, he's Buzz Aldrin. He's much decorated. He's got a lot of jewelry and bracelets on him. His jacket had all sorts of insignias, you know, mostly reflecting the fact that he walked on the moon. Also on the show today, I spiel about that tumbling draft pick. But first, Buzz Aldrin. I don't know if you know who he is. He walked on the moon. As of this taping, seven people on the planet Earth have ever set foot on another celestial body. The first was Neil Armstrong. My guest, Buzz Aldrin. Nope. Twelve, but seven who are alive today. Yeah, yeah. We don't talk about it that way. Okay. 16 are still alive at 24. Okay. Then I got short change. Uh, oh, Michael Collins that, and people who... No, the guys right. that had to do their thing before we could get there. I, They're lunar pioneers. Well, let me just say this. My guest right now is Buzz Aldrin. He has is, he is waded in to correct a misimpression that some of what he does in his new memoir, No Dream is Too High, Life Lessons from a Man Who Walked on the Moon. And an important thing is to give credit where credit is due, even if your foot wasn't on the moon, like Michael Collins, for instance. Well, absolutely. The people who enabled us 
to go to the moon. Had yes. to get there first, had to do a dress rehearsal, and then they brought us home. Yeah. So we haven't been there since 1972, and we're as far away from 1972 as 1972 was away from scotch tape, meaning scotch tape was in existence for longer than the time it's been since a man walked on the moon. Now, I know you say of the moon, we've been there, we got to set our sights on Mars, but what should we do with the moon? It's not either or. That's true. Really. I mean, somebody may have said, been there, done that. They sure didn't hear it from me. I would never say anything like that. It's been a long time since we've been at the moon. And what do we got to show for 4% discretionary funds? Yeah. Not a whole lot, right? Yeah, yeah. So we can go back to the moon and compete with China, but they'll beat us probably unless we increase the budget. But that's not what we want to do anyway. We want to more than cooperate. We want to help them. All of us should be a global lunar consortia to enable us to help them, but do it Mm -hmm. in ways that don't cost us a lot of resources, but do, in fact, help us learn the things we need to know to get to Mars. We need a base on Mars. Let's have a base on the moon first. We design it. We check it out, maybe build a demo. And then other nations build it and land it. We bring it together. Yeah. I know that when you went to the moon, you had a small memorial for the astronauts that died, but also for the cosmonauts, Yuri Gagarin and so forth. What was your feeling towards them? Were there more rivals? Were they peers? The actual cosmonauts, not the Russian government, the ones who went to space. Well, we didn't know them all that well. Right. Leonov is uh, kind of a typical big bear Russian. Okay. But see, I'm a Cold War warrior. Mm -hmm. And I don't always trust what somebody says. I got to verify it. Yeah. Somebody said that. I forget who it was. Yeah, I think it was was a famous American. Yeah. yeah. Um, Let's get to the rules of living life. I do. I want to ask you one thing now, because we were quoting Reagan there, who said, trust but verify. But another thing he said is, government's not the solution to the problem. It's the problem. And I wonder... He said another thing or confirmed it. Yeah. Peace through strength. Right. So I'm wondering what... I'm a military guy. I I know you are, but you also believe in funding projects and smart funding. So what in this climate of let's defund everything and, you know, some political Mm. actors say that, what do you think of that? You know, what do you think of the funding piece of space exploration? And that it seems to me we have to invest in it. It's an investment, but it will cost money. You can't do it on the cheap. Maybe 10 years ago, uh, there was a briefing about space exploration, and uh, the guy finished his briefing by saying, humans will return to the moon. They will speak Chinese. Now, right now, by law, NASA is not allowed to talk to the Chinese or spend any money on any efforts that would result in joint activities. That's not the way a smart government operates, really. We don't do things in this country by the government competing with the private sector. Mm -hmm. 
Do we have a problem societally as with who we choose as heroes? <laughs> uh, we do what we're told to do by somebody with, that we think is an authority. Mm -hmm. Your father, okay? Your boss, uh, the newspaper. What, what is the motto? All the news that's fit to print? Yes. Yeah, but who decides what's fit to print? They do. We get influenced. People who don't stand up for what they believe in may get stoned to death. Okay? Yeah. That's a risk you may have to take by being rugged individualism. Isn't that American? Yeah. Yeah. But you thrive. Independent thinking. But you thrived in structures. Three in your class at West Point, successful astronaut, successful fighter pilot. But you still, I see now, you still have this rebellious streak. You have to have both. It's not attention. You have to be able to accommodate both, it seems. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. That's what it takes. I know where that comes from, too. I do, too. Yeah. Okay, I guess here's my last question. How often, without thinking about it, do you close your eyes and see the Earth from outer space? Does it just, that actual thing that you saw actually occur to you and pop in your mind? Well, everybody knows what the Earth looks like. But you, you know, know it from actually globe, having seen it's it. Got, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's got borders of nations. Yeah. And some jock goes up there and says, oh, isn't it wonderful? I look down. I don't see any borders. Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> That's, I don't want to hear that again from another guy. It's nice for the public to hear you say that. And you know what? I can put my thumb up here and I can cover up the whole earth from the moon. Oh, big deal. I don't want to hear that one again either. What do you want to hear? Peace through strength. No, I, no, I yeah. want to hear a destination, an objective, a time period and a plan. So if there is one piece of advice or one takeaway for readers or just people who sit at the knee of Buzz Aldrin and try to find out if no dream is too high, what would you say that piece of advice would be? Well, I put it into maybe personal, physical description. Walk through life with your arms stretched out. Mm -hmm. Believe in what you believe in because you're going to be held accountable by yourself eventually. And I haven't finished uh, life's lessons. I'm learning an awful lot today, and I'm going to tell more, maybe. We'll talk some more, maybe. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. I'll be back. See ya. Thanks. Bye-bye. We're booked. <laughs> No Dream is Too High, Life Lessons from a Man Who Walked on the Moon, the first of a multi-part series, apparently, with me and Buzz Aldrin. Thank you, Buzz. Oh, she loves that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they published it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And now the spiel, a ton still of weight upon him. The NFL draft, what essentially is a spate of staffing decisions taking place within the human resources department of 32 corporations. But in 2016 America, 
It's TV gold. Millions tuned in last night to watch who would go when. And the most buzzed about, the most talked about player was a guy who a month ago was said to be going number one overall. Then there were a couple of trades and Laramie Tunsil of Mississippi State was said to be going somewhere in the top five or six, definitely the top 10. But that was before this. It's a video posted on his verified Twitter account, showed a man wearing a gas mask and smoking a substance through a plastic tube. A clip of Tunsil from his own Twitter account showed him wearing a gas mask, smoking a bong of what some judicious media outlet said appears to have been marijuana. Or possibly some apple spice via the new wraparound face hookah. Who's to say? Well, the NFL teams did have their say. This incident prompted a tumbling. The talented tackle tumbled to the teens. Miami took him at number 13. Oh, but oh no, Miami, there's marijuana in Miami. Here's the NFL Network seconds after the commissioner announced Tunsil's name. And the question is, is how will he fare in the distractions of South Florida? Later in the night, the NFL's commissioner, Roger Goodell, said of the 21-year-old who may have lost $8 million because of his draft status stumble, he said of this whole ordeal, that's what makes the NFL draft exciting. That is right. $8 million. That's how much he lost. That's the difference in salary between how much Laramie Tunsil would have received and how much he now will receive in his contract. So maybe that's not a lot of money to the 57-year-old Goodell, who has paid 34 35 and $44 million in each of the three years before this one, when the league stopped disclosing the commissioner's salary. Other middle-aged men who apparently have never smoked pot weighed in on the silly decision to have your Twitter account hacked by a spiteful, so far unknown malefactor who posted what turns out to have been a years-old video. It's a good situation from the point of view. Uh, he's got a lot of pressure on him now, which is good. He, he can't mess up. The other thing is, if he's got any competitiveness to him, he's going to go out and show people that everybody's wrong plus the spotlights on him, and Miami is going to probably surround him with a good support system to make sure this doesn't happen. But ultimately- Yes, Charlie Casserly from the NFL Network, a good support system, perhaps a vice president of don't smoke pot out of a gas mask, or a chief coordinating officer of if you do smoke pot out of a gas mask, don't videotape it, or even the ombudsman for the department of if you smoke pot out of a gas mask and do videotape it, don't allow some jerkwad to learn your Twitter password. Well, lesson learned. Or is it? Here's Mike Mayock, who earlier in the week said that Tunsil would be his sixth overall pick. But then, after the video surfaced, he said he had no sympathy. But I heard the young man learned a lesson, gets to Miami, and fulfills the enormous potential that he has. The incident reminds me of the post-Sony hack shaming of starlets like Jennifer Lawrence or the nude photos that were released of Lawrence or Kate Upton or other actresses. But there's, there's a difference. First of all, the celebrity women were violated in a sexual way. Secondly, what they did wasn't in any way illegal. But Laramie Tunsil did lose millions of dollars. I don't know if they were economically punished for what happened to them. But here's another important thing. It seems to me that Jennifer Lawrence essentially won the debate. Her comments about the hack were lauded. Her stock rose. The respect we have for her went up. And while some in the media were condemnatory, most, well, maybe just the sites I go to, but anyway, most sided with her. 
But Tunsil lost. He lost big. And when we say he lost millions of dollars, think about why he lost millions of dollars. Not because of luck or chance, because of what he did. He put himself in a position to earn a bigger contract, a contract that the sixth overall draft pick deserves, because of his abilities and his achievements. He worked on the field for years to get there. He deserved that money because of the excellence he showed, because of the potential he represented. It was years worth of work. Some natural ability, some size that you or I don't have, but it was a lot of work, essentially a lifetime of work. But now we've, or at least six or seven teams in the NFL, have given power to whoever the a-hole was who decided to kneecap him with a perniciously timed leak. And Tunsil will make $12 million over four years. That's a good amount of money, but it's not $20 million over four years. Also, especially galling, is who's the winner in this. It's the guy who was out to get Tunsil. Now, Tunsil is feuding with his stepfather. He's in a lawsuit against his stepfather. And there was a physical altercation between Tunsil and his stepfather. Tunsil allegedly punched the guy. Tunsil claims that the man had struck Tunsil's mother. We don't know who the hacker was, but we do know for now he won. The absolutely most galling thing about all this, to my eyes, is how the two networks who are covering the draft in real time contextualized what we were seeing. Perhaps they were taking their cues from Goodell, who played it all as fun draft day drama. The networks, the NFL Network and ESPN, should have spent the majority of their time pointing out how unfair it is to victimize a 21-year-old. Instead, they were tut-tutting and issuing pronouncements about maturity. He's going to have to mature very quickly or the else the league factor. is going to eat him yeah. up. Actually, ESPN's Todd McShay, according to a 2013 Gallup poll, 49% of 30 to 49-year-olds have tried marijuana and only 36% of 18 to 29-year-olds have. In fact, a higher percentage of 50 to 64-year-olds have tried marijuana than people under 30. So in some ways, trying marijuana correlates to maturity. The gas mask, maybe not. The video of you in the gas mask, again, maybe not. But as they say, no video or it didn't happen. And I'm sure that is benefiting the 12 or at least the majority of the 12 players who were taken before Laramie Tunsil. And I'm going to say it's benefiting, I don't know, 200 of the 252 other players who will be taken overall in this draft. Unfortunately for those guys, they will be denied this valuable life lesson. That's it for today's show. The just producer is Andrea Skip Salenzi. Steve Fritz Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Andy Binky Bowers is the chief content officer of the Panoply Network. The gist, welcoming Sparkies, Snuffies, and Spankies since 1907. Umperu de Peru du and thanks for listening. You know, a lot of people tweak the public's fascination with bizarre cover-ups. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. They love a cover-up. Yeah. Somebody's not telling me what's going on. And I know you'll, you'll sock it to a guy who, uh, you know, proposes some sort of uh, conspiracy theory that has no basis in truth. I well, saw that science video. fiction. Yeah. Not my science fiction, no. Mine's very realistic. It's better than Star Trek. It's better <laughs> than Star Wars.